do not waste your cancer. Do not allow it to break you. Do not allow it to lead you into despair. You can waste your cancer by not seeing the beauty of it. You can waste it by not using it to get closer to Christ. You can waste it by not being an inspiration and testimony to others. Today, Dr. Bill Petrie talks about his 24-year war with cancer. The date was August 2nd, 1998. I remember this date very well for a few reasons. First, my son Joshua turned 12 years old. He was excited as all 12-year-old children are when it is their birthday and the day revolves around you. Second, I heard five words that still send shivers down my spine to this day. You have stage four cancer. My doctor stated this as a simple statement of fact. I remember my mind racing in a million different directions and none of them was good. I was in shock, in denial. I was angry and sad. I was worried about my young family. In fact, I was terrified. This began the beginning of a 24 year journey of dealing with cancer and its after effects. I wanna talk candidly to you about some of my experiences. And I want to really lay on the line how I felt and some of the coping mechanisms that I used so that if you or a loved one or a friend are dealing with cancer, maybe these things can help you as well. I remember going to my first visit at, at the hospital to receive my chemotherapy. The doctor at the time had stated that if I made it to the new year, it would be a miracle. I was thinking long and hard about my mortality. Discouragement overwhelmed me. All the cares of the world were upon my shoulders at that point in time. Remember thinking, what will my wife Debbie do? With all the children, what would they do? How would they survive with the loss of the income? My mind was spinning. And when I went into the hospital for the very first time, I was met by some wonderful technicians and I'll never forget Lakia, a beautiful young woman who really helped me through some very, very difficult times when I would be dealing with the effects of the chemotherapy. But I remember sitting there and 
just an overwhelming sadness at their first visit and anger. And I came home and I saw my children and they were all concerned as children are when they're confronted with the potential loss of a parent. And they decided I needed to really understand in an intimate way what my savior had in store for me because I was convinced I was not going to live until 1999. But later in the month of August, in fact, two days after my birthday, on August 23rd, I found out that my wife Debbie was pregnant with our youngest child. It was really at that moment when I decided I needed to fight. There were too many people that were dependent upon me. I needed to roll up my sleeves and go to work fighting with every ounce of energy I had this dreaded opponent of cancer. And I knew that I had to get encouragement from the only place that encouragement can really come for a believer. And that was the scriptures. My first visit in September was different. I felt really, really ill when I was having my treatment. I could feel burning sensation going through my veins as the chemotherapy pumped its way throughout my system, killing both the good cells in the bad cells. And that burning sensation became a feeling more like raw glass just being ripped through your veins. It was, it was horrific. And I vowed I would take my Bible with me and begin to read it for as long as I could during all those sessions. And if I got sick, well, so be it. So the next visit I had, I was reading a passage in the book of Galatians. And I, come, I stumbled across Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I realized at that point in time, as I was going through chemotherapy and facing surgery and radiation, I realized that I would literally be on the precipice of death in order to live.
and it hit me. Isn't that what our Christian lives are all about? Aren't we dying daily so that we can live to Christ? And wasn't my cancer treatments a metaphor for this whole being conformed to Christ routine? Wasn't I dying in order to live? Facing cancer is probably the worst crisis you will ever know. Nothing brings so much uncertainty and fear to you and the people who love you. It is important to remember that once we have died with Christ, we are alive to God. And this concept is emphasized repeatedly in a twofold way. First, our responsibility to walk as the Apostle Paul followed Christ. It does not, does not the Apostle say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ? And second, we ought to walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called, just as our Apostle states, in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called. Once we know Christ in free forgiveness, it is important that we live a life of responsible servanthood. We need to live this life even more when times are difficult. We need to put our faith into practice. And it was at this point in time when I began to put my faith into practice. I remember coming home and seeing my youngest daughter, Hannah, tears kind of in her eyes as she saw her dad looking gaunt losing weight and I picked her up and I held her and I told her Hannah cancer cannot take away how I feel about you and I couldn't help but think isn't that also how our Savior treats us our sin could not take away how our Savior feels about us. He loves us, and he died for us so that we could live. He gave everything that he had so that we could have life with him. And I was willing to do the same for my young children. I was willing to go through the worst that the medical profession could deal out to me so that I could have an influence on my children's life and make their life better. 
For me, nothing has threatened my life, my very existence, like cancer has. Yet through it, I have been reminded of how important it is to know God and to have a relationship with him. His help has been critical to my being able to walk through the dark valley of cancer with hope. I have often said I cannot imagine going through cancer without God. And I have heard similar sentiments from other survivors who know God. And I want to make sure others know about this secret to facing cancer. God is the bedrock of hope. You do not have to fight cancer in your own strength. You can face it in the power that he provides. I have experienced what the Apostle Paul also said. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yes, the journey still takes courage and grit. But you do not need to face it merely with your own metal. You can face it with a hope that can never be snuffed out. As Psalm 71.14 says, As for me, I will always have hope. Let me explain more about what I mean. When I had went through a terrible time in my life, my wife Debbie came into my life. She is the bedrock that holds our family together. She is perhaps the most amazing woman I will ever know. And she was God's gift to me to sustain me in my journey on this planet. And I love her with my whole being. And I can tell you, that I would not be here today without her. Her silent strength, her care sustained me when times were the worst. Then there were my children. My oldest, John, uh, Jeremiah, my stepson Jeremiah was stationed in Japan. Yet he continually would call home and talk to see that we were okay. My oldest daughter, Jessica, would oftentimes watch the children so that Debbie could have a good conscience going to the hospital and being with me, knowing that the youngest children had somebody who was responsible that could take care of them. And Jessica is a wonderful young woman. Then there's my other children, Joshua, who at the age of 12 had to take on more responsibility than he ever should have had to. And Jacob, 
the strong silent one. And dear Zachary, the funny one, the musician, and Hannah. Hannah is the type of a young lady who could just light up any room that she's in with her charm and wit and personality. And then there was, in 1999, the birth of our youngest son, Ulrich. And Ulrich is a very, very intelligent young man. These children, along with my wife, gave me a purpose to come home every night. And the Lord kept letting me know that I had a responsibility as a husband and as a parent to be there for them. So I fought. And I fought. And I remember the first time my hair started falling out, how terrible that was. Remember how depressed and discouraged I was after having gone through a number of procedures and going to the church that I had just really started. It was in a rundown neighborhood in a rundown building in the middle of winter and I was feeling sicker than a dog shoveling out snow that we get here in the winters all the time thinking to myself nobody's even going to come to this study in the middle of the week and it was then that I met two of the most important people in my life that had become two of my very best friends. They came for the very first time. My dear friends, Rick Schmidt and John Ewan. Their encouragement through the years sustained me, helped me kept us afloat. Oftentimes their generosity knew no bounds to the point of where they gave and gave and gave sacrificially so that my family could have things that I at that time could not provide. The two men Rick and John are two of the most incredible human beings that you could ever meet. And when the scripture talks about the body of Christ and how intimate the body parts are, I oftentimes think of the two of them and how it is that those two gentlemen reinvigorated my ministry. Then there was my friend Scott. 
Scott was somebody that I had known through a job I had managing restaurants who had lost his father at a young age when he was a young man in college. And he lived with us for a time after that. And again, his love and generosity knew no bounds. Those are my triumvirate. Rick, John, and Scott. They sustained me along with Debbie and Jeremiah and Jessica and Joshua and Jacob and Hannah and Ulrich. And Psalm 7114 constantly came to my mind. As for me, I will always have hope. Every time that times got rough, one of those individuals would come through and pick me up and keep me going. I want to share with you a list of the benefits that I have experienced from knowing God. Many of these aspects have been true ever since I began my relationship with Christ many years ago. But through facing cancer, I have appreciated these truths about God at a much deeper level. When you are faced with your own mortality, these things become very real. As you go through cancer, here's what God wants you to be certain of. One, God loves you. Yes, God loves all people. But specifically, I have seen how he loves me personally. He loves you too, even if you have not yet experienced it. God promises in the Bible that nothing can take away his love. Not any mistakes we make, not suffering, and not even cancer. Well, I will admit, when I was first diagnosed, I certainly had a lot of questions for God. I still did not doubt his love for me. As the Bible clearly spells out in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, 
nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Second, God is in control of all things. Cancer is not some unstoppable force. He who created the universe and holds all the stars and planets in place also sustains the cells in our bodies and his power over cancer. He tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, in him all things hold together. Well, I did not and still do not completely understand why I have been allowed to have this suffering in my life. I know that he is in control and that is deeply comforting. And I know that throughout all these ordeals that I've had to deal with, and there have been plenty, that he always provides someone to help me through that difficult time. I remember in 2004, when I had just gotten done going through a relapse of the cancer I had had, and we were desperate for income. And I decided to pick up a job and I went to a local Old Navy nearby, and I was hired. And the most incredible manager I have ever known, by the name of Kathy Ferguson, would be there. She told me whatever I would need, that they would work with me. And throughout all the years that I have been employed by them, she was true to her word. Not once did I ever fear that my job would be lost because of my health. I remember taking almost two and a half years on a medical break and my job was still waiting for me with the same rate of pay. And I just went into it seamlessly. It's rare to encounter people in today's world who are true to their word. And she was one of them. God is indeed in control. I remember one time sitting in my living room, sicker than a dog, feeling miserable, and talking with Debbie, trying to figure out our financial situation. And wouldn't you know that our dear brother Rick provided more than an adequate amount to sustain us through that month.
It's things like these that help you to realize God is in control. And cancer is not some unstoppable force. It is an opponent that can be defeated. The third thing, God knows you. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 19, However, the foundation of God stands firm, having this seal. The Lord knew the ones being his. So much of the human experience, so much of what drives us, is our desire to be known. God knows us at a level that no one else can more than we can even know ourselves. His knowledge of us has no limit. And I find a lot of comfort in being known so deeply by him. Not only that, his very spirit intercedes with groanings on our behalf. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 tells us, And likewise, the Spirit also joins in to help our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. But the one searching the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he petitions on behalf of the saints, according to God. I remember praying one day, Lord, please let me just feel useful and not a burden. And it's the funniest thing. If you've ever had young children, you know that inevitably young children get stomach aches. And stomach aches oftentimes with a young child results in their vomiting. And I remember this one incident so clearly with my young daughter, Hannah, where she wasn't feeling very well. And I was sitting out on our porch in the evening. She came out, crawled up on my lap, snuggled in, and at that moment, I felt like I was the luckiest man in the entire world. To have your child love you unconditionally is a fantastic feeling. But it's even a greater feeling to know that our God knows us intimately. As we talked about a few weeks ago, intimacy means in to me see. And God could see into me. He knew what I needed. And he allowed my daughter to provide that. Fourth, God has a plan for your life. 
The Apostle Paul records a prayer in the first chapter of Ephesians in verses 18 through 23. It states, The eyes of your mind having been enlightened, for you to know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us, the ones believing according to the working of his mighty strength, which he worked in Christ in raising him from the dead, yea, he seated him at his right hand in the celestials, far above all rule and authority and power and lordship and every name having been named, not only in this eon, but also in the coming eon. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one filling all things in all. There were a few things here that just jumped right out at me. The first one is that God receives an inheritance in us. That always just blows my mind. He receives an inheritance in us. And ultimately, God he has a plan for us where we will be seated in the celestials, ruling over a governmental structure of the angelic host, filling up God's government and being an integral part of it. Throughout my life, I have experienced God's guidance from deciding which college to attend, a career to pursue, and even who to marry. And boy, did I get that one right. God has had purposes for me, from the big picture to the small details. And even if cancer was not part of my plan, somehow he has been able to use that and make it into part of his plan for me. No, I do not believe that God ever intends any of us to fall ill or to get sick. He says that no, no, no trial has taken us except that which is common to all men. And illness is common to all men. God can use those things. Doesn't mean he planned it. It doesn't mean he caused it. But he will use them. He will use them to strengthen us to build character. Character. Showing who you really are in the time of stress. God gives it to us. Fifth, God will take care of your family. One of the hardest truths for me to accept 
has been, what if I'm not around to love and care for my wife and children? That thought has kept me up many a night. Yet I have known that even if I am not around, they would much prefer to be, God will still watch over my family and lead them and guard them and protect them. It helps to think about how we took care, how he took care of my wife long before we ever met. And I trust that he will continue to care for my family in the future. Philippians chapter 4 in verses 6 and 7 state this. Do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God that is superior to every frame of mind shall be garrisoning your hearts and your apprehensions in Christ Jesus. Imagine that. God is garrisoning your heart and your apprehensions. He is the peace of God is superior to every frame of mind that you could ever have because he is a garrison around your heart. He is guarding it. He is protecting it. Do you not think that he is doing the same with your family? Sixth, your Ionian destiny is secure. This can be true for anyone who chooses to have a relationship with Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 states, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up through Jesus and will present us with you. Jesus clearly stated in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, for the lightness of our present affliction works out for us an Ionian weight of glory, surpassing moment by surpassing moment. Just think about that. Our light affliction. Whatever you are going through as you're dealing with your cancer, I am here today to tell you that somebody is going through something much worse. And I'm here to tell you that regardless of how bad you are going through something, there is somebody who has you in the palm of his hand, giving you the peace that only he can provide, peace of mind, a tranquility, because he is garrisoning your heart. Then 
This is an incredible God that we serve, and he can sustain us when we deal with the worst that this world can bring. And cancer is one of the worst things that this world can bring. God has limitless resources of strength, comfort, and hope. And that's my seventh point. God does have limitless resources of strength, of comfort, and hope. God has helped me through so many challenges in my life, and certainly with cancer too. For example, when my 10th round of chemotherapy started giving me intense anticipatory nausea, I prayed for wisdom. And soon after, that dear sweet nurse, Lakia, gave me just the right advice. How to use an anti-anxiety drug that proved critical to help me endure the treatments when I went into that treatment room. There have been many other days, too, when I possessed a hope and a joy that did not fit the circumstances, which I am certain was God's help. He gives his unlimited resources to those who ask. In my ministry, I have went from a church that I started that had well over a hundred and hundred people to a church they had sixty to being a Zoom church doing our studies on the internet. And all through this, I have had tranquility and peace. I have met many, many wonderful people, great people, incredible people. I have had the opportunity to talk with many individuals going through cancer. And in 1999, I actually received the New York State Humanitarian Award for some of those discussions I had with young children and their parents that were going through cancer. I myself have had four reoccurrences. I have had a number of gamma knife radiostatic surgeries. I've had so many rounds of chemotherapy, I've lost track. In 2014, going through cancer treatments, I had a massive heart attack that struck in the area that they call the Widowmaker. And I had bypass surgery. And I was able to survive all of that because God does indeed have limitless resources of strength, comfort, and hope. I know whatever this world dishes out, my God is greater. And I know if cancer ever took my life, 
that what awaits me far surpasses anything that I could ever, ever comprehend. So, that brings me to my eighth point. God understands your suffering. I have experienced the loss of my oldest son. Uh, his name was Bobby from SIDS years before my cancer journey ever began. At that time, I wanted to say, God, you do not know what this feels like. But then I remembered that he also lost his son, Jesus Christ. Knowing this helped remind me that I was dealing with a God who was very acquainted with suffering. Jesus himself went through the torture of crucifixion. He understands both physical and emotional pain, and not just in a theoretical sense. He is a savior who is acquainted with sorrows. He has felt rejection and sadness and heartache and yes, even death. He knows our suffering in the most intimate way possible because he came here and lived among us. He knows our suffering in ways we cannot even imagine. I've always said, I think it's harder for your loved ones to watch you go through cancer than it is being the patient going through cancer. And I believe our God has a harder time watching us sludge through this sin-cursed world, dealing with all the misery that Adam's rebellion brought upon this creation. And he knows how we feel. Our God understands us. My ninth point, you do not have to face cancer alone. Besides just understanding what we're going through, God promises to walk with us through the suffering. Nobody wants to suffer, but when we do, would not you rather have someone to go through it with? Even from initial diagnosis, I knew God would be with me through my journey, wherever it was leading, as he has done my whole Christian life. In my highest high to my lowest low, God has always been with me just as he promised. Does not Hebrews 13.5 state, never will I leave you or forsake you? This promise is for all who choose to clear to 
is is given to all who choose to have a relationship with him. A rock solid promise that we can count on. And I believe my relationship with my wife reminds me of this relationship that my Savior has with me. Through thick or thin, through all the trials of countless sleepless nights, of watching her husband suffer, of wondering, is he going to be here? What's going to happen to me and to my family if we lose him? Yet through it all, not once did she ever contemplate not being by my side. When I needed a good swift kick in the derriere, she gave it to me. She got me going. She got me up. She got me moving. It was her that allowed me to begin to, to have the thoughts of how to fight. It was her that encouraged me to get back into the word of God. It was Debbie who encouraged me to continue my ministry. There were many a Sundays when I preached a message where it took every ounce of strength it had in me to do so. And I would come home, and I am not exaggerating this fact, I literally would sleep for two or three straight days, very infrequently moving. Weaker than weak. Yet, yet, because I knew I was facing this dreaded disease with my God, my family, and my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, I knew that I could deal with whatever cancer gave me. And the last point I want to share with you is God uses all things for your good. Sometimes it sounds too good to be true. And you know what? It is. God can use any situation for good, even the worst. Paul states in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This does not mean the journey will be easy, but at least there can be some results of good that can come from it, even if it means that the suffering changes my own character to be more like him. It conforms me. It molds me. It shapes me. It allows me to allow his life to live out of me because I'm dying to self so that I can live to him. Truly, I am dying to live. 
God has given me so many blessings, far too many to list or to count. I can say, just as the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 40, verse 5, many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. The best part of these benefits is that they are not just for me. They are for anyone who will begin a relationship with God. And anyone can have that relationship right now. It's so easy to join yourself into a relationship with a Savior who will never leave you, never forsake you, who will be there to comfort you, to garrison your heart and give you the peace that can overcome any frame of mind that you have. And it's simple. The Apostle Paul states in his epistle to the Corinthian church in chapter 15, in the first four verses, how it is that we have a relationship with God. He states, now I am making known to you, brethren, the evangel or the gospel, which I bring to you, which also you accepted and which also you stand, through which also you are saved, since you are retaining what I said in bringing the, the evangel to you outside and accept you believe feignedly. For I give over to you among the first what also I accepted that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was entombed, and that he has been roused the third day, according to the scriptures. It's that easy. If you just believe and place your trust into the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, that he was entombed, and that he has been roused or raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Believing that and trusting that places you into a relationship with God that can never, ever be undone. All these things that I've listed today are yours through that simple act. And the beauty of it is, you can do it right as you're listening to this podcast and you never have to step foot into any church building. God's not concerned with buildings. He wants a relationship with you so that when you are going through the worst times in your life, he can sustain you. If you knew me, you would find that I am an ordinary person from an ordinary town in a very ordinary place. I am no more deserving of God's attention and love than anyone else, maybe less so. However, here is the truth. You are not meant to face cancer in your own strength. You are created to rely on the help of the one 
who created you. And he will bring those individuals into your life that will help sustain you through this horrific war that you are waging. I really hope that today's podcast is something that can be beneficial to you. This is a topic I do not like talking about because I do not like talking about myself. But I really believe that maybe, just maybe, my experience is not so different than a lot of yours. Cancer is terrible. And there's nothing good in of it itself. But the character transformation it produces is priceless. Do not waste your cancer. Do not allow despair to overwhelm you. Jesus Christ is the way to defeat it. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.